0: Welcome to the Charmed Studio podcast. We're located over at www.thecharmstudio.com. I'm your humble guide for the day, Thea Fiore Bloom. I'm the podcaster, the artist and the journalist behind the Charmed Studio. And I created the blog and the podcast because I was so aggravated with the emphasis on marketing that artists have to face. So this is a podcast for you. If you want to write better, you want to feel better, you want to sell better, but only if you get to be yourself. Today, I'm going to be talking about a very, um, (laughs) another the obscure topic, which is how tea helps artists and the 10 best tea books for tea heads. So listen up towards the end and have some really good reads on tea and the wonder of tea and, uh, I just, I wrote this article and I I wanted to make this podcast because I, I have tea envy. I have like serenity envy. I want to evolve into one of those refined folks who always choose tea over coffee. And maybe you're already one of them. I picture you guys like lingering pensively in maybe like a pink pashmina on a terrazzo patio somewhere in Italy, cradling this cup of oolong in one hand and maybe like a tiny tin of watercolors in the other hand. And I would sacrifice the patio. I'd even give up the pashmina if I could invite the day in gently with tea instead of like initiating launch countdown with coffee. But coffee really is a great help if you have to write on deadline and if you have to write often or you want to write on deadline and you want to write often. But the thing is, several of my artists and writer friends are tea heads. And here are four reasons why I want to be just like them. And I want to be just like you probably when I grow up. Number one is that tea helps artists because it's a companion. It's a creative companion. And it's going to make a big difference in your, in your studio life um, to add it into your studio life, I think. My, my colleague, Yana Miller in Australia, a wonderful watercolor artist, says, tea is vital. Tea is an irreplaceable part of my daily art life. She says, I think taking tea is not unlike a ritual. In fact, it is a ritual. I make and drink tea all day long if I'm making art, and you can almost always find a hot cup of peppermint tea beside Yana on her art table. And tea helps her keep her. It helps her keep her focus. It helps her. It keeps her company, as she creates all this whimsical work. You know, you know how isolating art making can be and writing can be. Feel like you're crazy. Feel like you're up in some ivory tower. And um, it's like I I have a a post and a podcast on all of the objects in Freud's uh study at three thousand uh artifacts in there, and there were all these beautiful Egyptian gods and goddesses and they accompanied him while he wrote and tea can be like that like a com- it's a a wonderful companion to help you get through the gauntlet of creation by eliminating the loneliness. And bringing in some warmth, some light, some color, some um, sabor, some taste, you know. The second reason that you want to bring tea into your life as an artist is that it helps us get unstuck. For some reason, and for some artists, the best way to get unstuck and to get re-energized, you don't have to be all serene to reap the benefits, right, of tea. For some people, the best thing you could do is smash up things to make your tea. So... You could smash up things like what? Well, like spices for chai. Um, One subscriber of mine who does wonderful manga art, comic book art, uh, Kiko. Hello, Kiko. She told me that making Indian chai tea by bashing up cardamom pods in my stone mortar and pestle in the middle of my workday always helps me re-energize and refocus. And Kiko said that tea drinking is a restorative part of art making for me, especially when my eyes are tired and her And she said when her hands are tired, because she spends hours on those Wacom, those drawing tablets. So it helps her loosen up her hands, loosen up her um, brain. And also, you know, sometimes to going in and being serene is helpful, but sometimes pushing out and getting physical also is a great way to reconnect to the body and the soul and the spirit and get back to art making. So sometimes if Kiko's feeling stuck midday, she just goes all out, chops fresh ginger, which is such a, aromatherapy-wise, such a stimulating, wonderful thing to do for yourself. She crushes hard cinnamon sticks, and she grates whole nutmeg into the simmering pan of cardamom-infused tea on the stove. It just sounds so wonderful. And when the moment's right, Kiko adds in the sugar and the milk, and then she expertly pours this amazing tea from the cup to the pan a few times. And if you've ever seen people who really know what they're doing, do this like her— it's a, The distance between the cup and the pan is about a foot and a half, and you just think it's all going to spill, and they just do it so expertly, and they make this frothy cappuccino-like chai that is inimitable. So Kiko said, it's the perfect creative break for me because it's short enough to not get distracted, and but it's long enough for me to clear my mind. And I get to smash things, she says. So I love Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist um, teacher, Buddhist monk, who says... Quote, drink your tea reverently as if it's the axis on which the earth revolves slowly, evenly, without rushing towards the future. End quote. I love it. So the third thing that tea does, it helps us with beginnings and endings of our day. It's a ritual creator. So important. So tea can help tell our brain that it's time to begin our work and time to end it. And I'm going to have a cup of tea, sip of tea. Hold on one second. Debbie Han, who's this amazing um, Korean-American artist, in an interview with the Wall Street Journal recently said, my day starts with tea and my day ends with tea in art making. She says, when I go to my studio, the first thing I do is prepare a cup of tea. And this has been my habit since I was an art student. And the last thing she does at the end of the day is prepares a cup of exit tea. So wouldn't it be ideal to have tea ritualized the beginning and end of your day spent making art? It would be like hitting a chime It'd be like an entry chime and an exit chime to your day. It would help you transition in and out of your creative work day. And so help your brain understand your beginning, then your ending. So you can go into the rest of your day with your family or whatever and be fully present with them. But when you're in your studio, you're fully present with yourself. And your studio might be your closet. You know, it doesn't have to be some exotic thing on a hill like Heathcliff, you know. But if you aren't a full-time creative, you know, and you don't have a full-time studio practice, you can still enjoy entry and exit tea the next time you devote a Sunday to your art or your writing. It's a wonderful way to create a Sunday ritual, which is gorgeous. Once a week, art and writing making can keep us sane if we don't have time for it every day. I love uh, the guy that wrote the book of tea, Akokura. He said, Meanwhile, let us have a sip of tea. The afternoon glow is brightening the bamboos. The fountains are bubbling with delight. The sawing of the pines is heard in our kettle. Let us dream of evanescence and linger in the beautiful foolishness of things. Quote. I love the idea of imagining pine trees inside your kettle. And pine tea is wonderful. A uh, subscriber of mine once recommended that to me. She boiled uh, pine needles to make pine tea, and it was really restorative for her um, for vitamin C. Okay. Anyway, if those three reasons we've we've given so far about. Um, the importance of tea for ritual, the for beginnings and endings, the importance of tea as a way to get unstuck, and the importance of tea as a creative companion aren't enough. The fourth and last reason is that it's it's helped so many famous artists that you know must be it must be good. So what was George O'Keefe's favorite book in the whole world? I think it was a novel. Do you think it was a book about Kandinsky? Do you think it was a book about? What do you think it was about? Well, it was the Book of Tea. That was her absolute favorite book, which is a little hardcover book from 1906. Uh, by K, it, it's by O-K-A-K-U-R-A. Is the first name, the last name, K-A-K-U-Z-O. Kakuso. Anyway, the 1906 Book of Tea is a short but beautifully deep dive into the philosophy of the Japanese tea ceremony, which people study their whole lives, and for good reason. I went to Japan and, and got to participate in an authentic one, and it was just as a liminal experience for me, life-changing, um, the significance of it, the peace that it brings. O'Keefe became enamored with the Book of Tea in her early 20s, and it remained this pole star for her for her entire life. Her favorite teapot, if you look, if you ever go on a tour of her house in Abiquiu, which I highly recommend, it's just put it on your bucket list if you love O'Keefe. But in that tour, don't forget to look in the kitchen. You could see this beautiful Japanese metal teapot that she kept on. It's still there on one of the shelves. And what, what kind of tea did she used to make in there was this really delectable smoky black tea. Um, maybe a lot of you have had it called Lapsung Souchong. So yummy. So um, I'll link in the show notes to an article um, I have a few articles that you might like if you love George O'Keefe. Marcel Proust was a passionate tea drinker, and he—you could even say that we—we we can thank the um, Linden Tea for four thousand two hundred fifteen pages of goodness from of his books, *The Remembrance of Things Past*. So, because he supposedly that well, if you you know, the whole story started out, and and as he says it. Um, from this huge memory that was evoked by this rush of taste and scent from the cup of a linden blossom tea that his aunt gave him to dunk a madeleine into. And you know what linden blossom is? is lime blossom tea. And I can't find a good cup of it. So if you, uh, the ones I've had in tins or in bags have been terrible. It didn't taste anything like the real thing. So if you ever do find a good source for linden tea or lime blossom tea, let me know over at www. The Charm Studio slash contact. Um, C.S. Lewis said you could never get a cup of tea large enough or a book long enough to suit me. And Lewis himself, he loved to drink tea in these huge oversight cups. He would have a cup in the morning. You'd also have coffee too sometimes. But he would a huge, another giant cup of it with his meal by the fire uh, after his afternoon walk. And in, he would always have it before 4.15 because that was when his next round of writing for the day started but speaking of books and great minds let me finish with 10 tremendous tea books for you or if you know a tea head in your life the first book of course is the book of tea uh o'keefe's favorite and i'll link to that in the show notes a really wonderful uh read or you can get any of these books at the library you can get them on audible the free app libby l-a-l-i-b-b-y just wonderful it's just so many free audiobooks you could just say down you could say goodbye to to uh, adios that's what i like to say say adios to audible with libby for free um the second book on my list is by Anne lovejoy it's called tea gardens places to make and take tea i just love that idea Of creating a tea garden, and I have another book on that in the list. The third book is Tea for Three The First Three Tea Shop Mysteries by the incredible uh, popular mystery series writer Laura Childs. Okay, this is definitely not Proust. It ain't heavy, but if you're in a mood for some escapist tea based writing to just cozy up to, in a blanket by the fire on a day when you don't want to think about anything else in the world because you feel freaked or stressed out. I, I think getting some Laura Child's books from the library with a big mug of something wonderful, maybe silver needle tea or... Um, weekend in Seattle. I love that tea if you ever get it from the Queen Mary Tea Shop in Seattle. Oh my god, a weekend in Seattle so delicious. Very a kind of a piney tea. Um The fourth book is called For All the Tea in China for History Buffs. It's about espionage, empire, and the secret formula for the world's favorite drink by Sarah Rose. The fifth book is the famous James Norwood Pratt, the tea scholar, his new tea lover's treasury, very like an encyclopedia of tea. The sixth book on my list is Herbal Tea Gardens, 22 Plans for Enjoyment and Wellbeing. Just a wonderful book by Marietta, M-A-R-C-I-N. Marcin and 20 plans for your enjoyment and well-being. That's on my bucket list. I'd love to make a tea garden if I ever get enough uh, space. I live in the city, just or or even wonder if you would you guys have ever thought about doing a tea garden on a patio. The seventh book is about uh, is another tea history by Marchand, M-A-R-C-H-A-N-D. The eighth book is Jane Pettigrew, another great tea scholar. Jane Pettigrew's World of Tea. The ninth book is Culinary Tea. This is a wonderful book about more than 150 recipes steeped in tradition from around the world by Cynthia Gold and Lisa Stern, S-T-E-R-N. And that is just great for chefs and um, amateur chefs and professional chefs who want to cook with tea. And the last book on my list is The Japanese Tea Garden. Really just sensational, um, transformative the images alone are worth it. And that's the Japanese tea garden talks about the philosophy of the tea ceremony, but also the importance of the tea garden to the tea ceremony by Mark Peter Keane, K-E-A-N-E. Okay, so if that's, we're coming to the end, but I just want to tell you that if you've ever dreamt of writing a book this next year and need help from tea, I'm going to link to my really popular podcast in the show notes that says it's a it's a podcast on how to outline your book in seven mornings with seven cups of delicious tea I call it my tea method and I formulated it because I hate using traditional outlines to start books and my writing clients who are artists also hate using like spreadsheets to start books so it's much more fun to start a book with tea And to start a book with images and visual, uh, to draw and drink tea and answer these journal questions to start your book. You'll actually write your book. That's what I think. So um, I want to end finally, finally, finally with a quote by Virginia Woolf. And this is a deeper topic about approval and just something to keep in mind. Virginia Woolf said, quote, the eyes of others are our prisons, their thoughts are cages, End quote. So the idea that what keeps us in prison and what keeps us in cages are the thoughts of others about us and the ideas of others about us. And the way to get out of prison and to live a wonderful life of art making and, and creating and seeking. And there's, you know, the, to roll up and down with the beauty and the pain of life. One of the best things we can do for ourselves is to take off the armor, take off the straitjacket of constantly worrying about how others perceive us. It takes tremendous courage, but you guys have it. So keep faith in yourself. And keep faith in your quirkiness, in your quote-unquote eccentricity. Eccentricity is another word for brilliance, you know. And remember that the very things that you're the shyest about that you make and that you think are probably the things that are the wildest, creative, most wonderful ideas that'll be the, the most embraced if you have the guts to let them out. I can't wait to talk to you again in a few weeks. Stay well. Take care.